Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Mike Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. I want to um, teach on something this morning. How, how many of you recognize this guy right here? How many of you recognize him? Go ahead, shout his name out. Who is it? Whoa, who is it? Michael Scott. How many of you watch The Office? Anybody watch The Office? Oh my gosh, is he your favorite guy on there or is it Dwight? How many of you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, uh, how, how many of you readily recognize, now go ahead and throw my title up there. Is I want to teach on today and I want to talk about what I'm going to call beyond grinning and bearing it. You know, when you think of the word grin and bear, what comes to mind? When you think of, oh, I'm, you know, going to head to, if you look it up, it's, it's, it's an old term that is used, but in actually, if you look up the actual definition, literally the, the, the term comes from to show some teeth in either anger or rage, but keep your mouth closed and suck it up. How many of you know what I'm saying? Is, is that's kind of, if you look, that is the picture in, of, of what it is. And, and I realize that when I use, when I make the statement beyond grin in Barrett, some people might be tempted to think, oh, you know, the, oh, then, then I really shouldn't have to go through things or I shouldn't have to face things, you know, that are grin and Barrett kind of a thing. That is not what I'm saying at all. As a matter of fact, if you study the Bible, the Bible talks about that there's going to be times in our life that we need to stand. It talks about in Ephesians 6, it says stand and keep on standing. There's another word in the Bible, and the word is perseverance. Another word is fortitude. If you're in a, a, a more of a, a psychological or a leadership mode, they call it your AQ or your adversity quotient, your ability to process and handle adversity. And the Bible talks about that. And so I'm not at all saying that when we talk about those tough times where we're having to kind of like suck it up and grin and bear it and something isn't fair and something isn't right and this isn't just and and you're you're just kind of I'm not saying that you have to avoid or, or that there is a way to avoid avoid it in fact one of the works of the whole that the holy spirit does in our life the bible tells us in galatians 5 is he gives us the ability to stand for a long time or the term is long suffering with Within, within our our life, and that means it just basically the ability to stand in in adversity. Jesus said in John sixteen, when he was getting ready to leave, he said that in this life you're going to have adversity. Another, the King James says you'll have tribulation. But then the second part of that verse, Jesus said this. He said, "But be of good cheer, because I'll give you the ability." to overcome it because I have overcome it. And I think it's interesting that it's almost like Jesus said, hey, to this adversity thing, hey, to this tribulation thing, hey, to this grin and bear it thing, I want to let you know you're going to face it. He said, but I got a way that you can do it differently than the world does it. I have a way that you can handle it different. You know, Psalms 39 uh, verse 19 says, the righteous person 
faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to their rescue each time. Galatians 6, 9 says this, and don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping a wonderful, the wonderful harvest that you have planted, it's coming. It, it, it's coming. And so it, when you think about it, the Bible says, yes, there's going to be times living down here where it is just like, ah, where we're just like, oh, this is, this is hard and this is difficult. But the question is, is am I going to do it the, old, the world's way of doing it or am I open to God and open to maybe learning a new way of the grin in Barrett seasons or times in my life? Am I just going to do the old way? This is what I know, that every one of us right now has a well-worn path of how we handle stuff that is grin and Barrett. How many of you know what I'm saying? We've already got it down. We've already lived through life. But the question is, is that with God, there's another way than the way that the world does it. And what God's way does is it infuses hope. It infuses a different perspective and an internal posture that leads to refreshing and times of refreshing in my life when it's just like it's hot, it's hard, it's difficult. And God is like, let me show you a different way to do this. Let me show you a different way. You know, probably um, when you talk about the book of Psalms, the two most popular Psalms are Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. How many of you know what I'm saying? But then the next is Psalms 91. He or she that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. And we, we could go on. But what's amazing is that if you read that, what you find out is it's talking the whole rest of the psalm is talking about adversity. It, 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 verse 3 says, For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. Verse 4 says, He will cover you with his feathers and he'll shelter you under his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. I like that don't be afraid of the terrors of night nor of the arrow that flies by day. Don't, do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. And the whole psalm is about God is saying this stuff happens, but I got a way that you can live under my shelter that, you know what, even though it's happening, that it's not going to affect you like it affects the world. It says in Romans 5, verse 3 and 4, it says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they, that they help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. What I want you to notice is in all of these verses, each time we read about adversity is God takes it deeper and be begins to talk about our mindset and what's happening in us when we're facing adversity. And when you think about that is what is my perspective when I'm in that grin and bear it, so to speak, season. 
And, 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 and that's what really what we're going to drill into today and we're going to talk about is what do I need to understand and what do I need to do to not have a negative outlook, a worldly outlook, and sense God greater in my life when I'm in a grin and bear. Let me just have an honest moment right now. How many of us right now could say, I'm in a grin and bear season right now? You know what I'm saying? Just like, <sighs> how many of you know, look, pray for, look around, you know, pray for them. But I think we, we're all there, or we've all been there, and it's a season of life. But I want to just give you six things, if I could, that will help us in this time. Number one is this, is trust is foundational to enjoyment. Trust is foundational. This is possibly the most important first step when we're having to grin and bear it. You say, what do you mean? Out of trust comes peace, comes joy, comes, comes um, it affects our outlook when we trust. When you think about it, usually when we're in a grin and bear it season or we're in a grin and bear it time in our life is usually what's going on is we don't understand. We're not in control. We don't have all the answers of what is going on. And if we don't watch it, what happens is, is our mind begins to race and we begin to think about all the things we need to do, should have done, could do, and we begin to think about all those things in our mind, and then what happens is, is we, then anxiety kicks in, and we're not able to rest, and we're just kind of racing around in our mind. Usually, these are the times that we don't understand, and we're like, God, what is going on? And if we don't watch it, we begin to rev in anxiety, we begin to rev in our thought life, we begin to, our mind starts racing, and what we've got to do is we've got to stop at that moment. The moment you realize right now, okay, this is a grin and bear it. This is a grin and bear it. Lord, I need to stop right now and I need to just say over my life, God, I choose you and Lord, I'm going to trust you and God, I don't fully get what's going on right now, but I know that you're going to lead me. You're going to lead me. See, if we don't start there, everything after that's down the world. Everything's downhill after that. Everything, we have to just stop and say, I am not going to enjoy this unless I can trust. See, without learning to trust God, we'll never experience peace. We'll never experience any lasting level of the enjoyment that God intends for our life. It's impossible to have peace and enjoy the journey without trust. We ju you're just not, we're just not going to do it. Look at what it says in Romans 15, 13. He said, I pray that God, the source of hope. Now, I want to just stop, and I want you to think about that for a moment. God said he doesn't just have hope. He's the source of hope. God doesn't just have, you know, I, I typically go to Uganda, a town called Jinja. I have a good friend pastor there. He's got about 400 churches, and we do a pastor's conference there. And at, in Jinja, Uganda, is the source of the Nile River. 
It comes out of Lake Victoria, this aquifer that comes out of the ground, and it flows 3,000 miles north out of the uh, Nile into the uh, Mediterranean Sea up above Egypt, but 3,000 miles. And you can take these little, they'll let you get in one of their little fishing boats, and what it is is it is this massive coming up out of the lake. It's an aquifer that's down there, and it's just pumping millions. It's the source of the Nile River. Realize this, the world has a whole bunch of hope out there, but God is the source of real hope. He's the source. The world will promise you, oh, this will do it. Oh, you're facing adversity. If they would just do this. No, God wants you to shift over and say, Lord, you are the source of hope. I'm not going to base my life on everybody else, but you are the source of hope. You're the source. He said, I pray that God the source of hope. Look at what he said he's going to do. We'll fill you completely. What is completely? That is like, there ain't no, there's not any room for anything else. He said, I'll fill you completely with what, God? Joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God is the source of hope, and what he wants me to know is he wants to fill me with joy and peace, but it comes out of my trust in him. That's what it comes out of, my trust in him. So when I'm in a grin and bear it moment, if I ever needed peace, and if I ever needed joy, it's at that time, God is saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me. See, it's nothing. Some people, they get in those grin and bear moments, and it's like, I can't handle this. I can't do this. This is more than God has promised that he wouldn't allow anything to come across your plate that he wouldn't give you the ability to overcome. He promised that. He promised that. And so we just got to stop and say, okay, this, I'm going to grow right now in trust. One of the most freeing things is learning that you nor I are not in charge But the person who is in charge, he loves me, he gave his life for me, and he's promised to lead my life. Grin and Barrett seasons are part of our development. They're part of our development. And I believe that when we're in it, God is saying, don't waste this moment. Don't waste this experience. I'll use it, and I will grow you. Just invite me in. Number two is this, is adversity is a revealer. It's a revealer. Adversity does a lot of things, but one thing that it sure does is it reveals us. You know, nobody likes it, but (laughs) there are times it's the only thing that reveals what's in my heart. It reveals what I really believe and what's going on in the inside. See, adversity, what it does is it reveals my root system. That doesn't, that's not a condemning thing. That's just like, yo, check that out. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like, look look at that. You know that in Matthew 7, Jesus compared our life to building a house. And he talked about two different houses that were built. And, And if you look, he said that basically these two guys built these houses and they were like California track homes. They looked exactly 
the same. If you were to look at the outside, they had the same windows, they had the same trim, they had the same front door, they had the same landscaping, they had the same pitches on the roof, they had the same colors, I mean the shutters were the same, everything was the same. But what he said is he said then a storm hit and what it revealed was the foundation that was under that house. But before the storm, they both looked exactly the same. And see, what happens is, is adversity, it reveals us. Number three is this, is life is about seasons. Quitting is in a season with God. I'm going to say that again. Quitting is not a season with God. Think about this from a natural perspective. Someone this week was pointing at this tree, and they're like, that's an incredible tree. And we were just chatting. For you that don't know, before I totally gave my life to the Lord, I went to school for horticulture, so I like plants. You say, you're weird. Okay, I'm good. Um, is, um, but they're looking at this tree, and they said, check out that maple tree. I said, that maple tree is probably 75 plus years old. How many of you know that maple tree's been through a few seasons? That maple tree has been through... A lot of stuff, seeing a lot of stuff that just naturally, psychologically, we go through seasons. We all go through seasons. I said to my wife this morning, I said to her, I said, baby, we haven't had Kentucky Fried Chicken in a long time. So I said, I said, we have not had Kentucky Fried Chicken in a long time, and I'm feeling like some Kentucky Fried Chicken for lunch. You know what she said to me? She said, we are not 20 anymore. She said, you know how many fat grams are in a bucket of chicken? She started saying that. Now, let me just throw this out. Physiologically, when I was 15, 18, 20, 25, I could eat a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken, and in five hours, I needed another bucket. How many of you know what I'm saying? But now, I eat three pieces of Kentucky Fried Chicken and roll away. How many of you are with me on that? It's physiologically, seasons have changed. Relationally, seasons change. I mean, if you're here and you're married and you've been married for any length of time, you know that marriages go through seasons and development and growth and all of those things. If you have kids, you've been through the seasonal change. You, they went from ankle biters, how many of you know what I'm saying, all the way up. All of those were seasons. If In regard to your profession, your profession has had seasons. If you own your own business, there has been seasons. Life is about seasons. God created seasons. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it goes over 24 different seasons in life that God uses to develop us. But what's amazing is when you read through all of these seasons, the season of quitting is not listed in that. What we have got to realize is God wants to work the quit out of us. He wants to work the quit when we've got to stand, when it is difficult. He wants to work the quit out of our heart. It is not a season in God. Are you with me? Look at what it says, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2. It says, for everything, there is a season. There's a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to harvest, 
Verse 4, there's a time to cry and a time to laugh. I like the laughing part better, but we got to do the, how many of you know what I'm saying? He said there's a time to grieve and a time to dance. But verse 11 says this, yet God has made everything beautiful for its time. God makes, you say, you know what, I'm in a grin. God is going to make your grin and bear it season beautiful for its time. He's going to do, do something in you that you're going to grow. He said, he has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope or the whole perspective of God's work from the beginning to the end. And that statement, God makes everything beautiful for its time. If your wife is next to you, you can lean over and say, you are beautiful. Or your husband, you can say, you are beautiful. Or if, you know, if you're single and you're sitting next to a single girl or a single, I don't do that. But, <laughs> but what's amazing is this, is you look at this, God will continue to move in my Grand and Barrett seasons unless I quit. Unless I quit and unless I stop, is I believe that I must temper my American psyche to embrace, okay, this is hard, this is difficult, but I'm not going to quit. And I want to I realize this, there's a difference between physically going through the motions and quitting on the inside, where you've just said, I'm just going to keep going, and you've quit on the inside. God, there, God made all the seasons, but quitting isn't one of them. I personally believe much of substance abuse is based on when life goes through challenging seasons, difficult seasons, hard seasons, uncomfortable seasons, and wanting to escape it. I just got, I don't want to deal with this pain. I just want to escape it. I just want to escape it. I, I think that how about turning to God for the comfort of him, his word, and his spirit, knowing that he's going to lead you in that time, and you're going to grow. God, I'm going to grow. Number four is this, is my roots must be in more than what it looks and what it feels like. And I realize that the moment that I say that, this is borderline un-American. It is borderline because we as Americans, we want to feel it. How many of you know what I'm saying? Because I think most of us base what we do on how we feel rather than the right thing. We need to begin to stop. When we are in a grin and bear it season, our feelings are going to be saying, do this, do this, do this, do this. And you have to stop and just say, Lord, my roots got to be in more than, Lord, what it looks and what it feels like. You know that in Matthew 3, Jesus was um, being tempted by Satan. But the backdrop of what is going on, and it's important for us to realize, is that up till this point, this is probably the most difficult thing Jesus has had to go through. And he makes this incredibly profound statement when he's being tempted by the enemy. And he said this, you or I can't live by bread alone or by natural alone but And realize this, that bread alone, natural alone, and natural things will not do it, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Not to overly simplify it, but what I'm saying is really simply, 
uh, grin and bear it seasons in our life is, is the temptation can be we're looking at natural stuff and we're like, well, if this would happen, well, if that would happen, well, if this would happen. And God is saying, excuse me, you can't make it on natural alone. Do you know that Jesus had three, if we could break it down and very practically, is Jesus had three seasons in his life of ministry. The first season was the year or the season of what we would call obscurity. Nobody really knew who he was. They were kind of, he was just starting. And so nobody knew, really knew who he was. And it was just kind of like he was just, but then the second season was a year of popularity. Everybody wanted to be close to Jesus. The crowds were suffocating. Everybody was getting touched. But then the third season was the season of adversity. And you can see that in John 6, it kicks off the season of adversity where Jesus begins to challenge those that are following him because he knows they're only following him for superficial reasons. He's fed them, he's taking care of them, he's doing things, and he begins to challenge them. And look at what he says in verse 27. He says, this is John 6, 27. But don't be concerned about perishable things like food or just natural. Spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Realize this, that in my life, God is saying, okay, you know what? He's not against natural, but realize this, that when we're going through it and when we're in the middle of it, our roots have got to be in more than what it looks and what it feels like. It's got to be in more. Number five is this, is everyone has times of funk and they're a necessary garden to cultivate in. Let me just say, what do you mean? Let's just... This, let me now realize this. How many of you believe Jesus is alive? How many of you believe it right now? He sees what's going on. Okay, now let me just, now here's the next one. How many of y'all know we get some, we get funky sometimes? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Stuff happens and we just get funky. You know what I'm saying? Now, you know, when you, when you think about it, another word for funk is, you know, manure, poop. How many of you know what I'm saying? Just stuff is just going on, just gunk. Can I grow out of it, snap out of it, or do I go, whenever I go from a funk, I'm in a funk, this happened, I'm in that spot, or do, or do I just go from funk to funk to funk to funk to funk, and it ends up being I'm in a funk for 10 years. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like this happened, and I just got this nasty attitude, this poor perspective, and I just stayed in that funk for a long period of time. You say, well, why are you saying that? If we look at most of the heroes in the Bible, they went through seasons of funk. If you look at Abraham... He had seasons of funk. If you look at Moses, he had seasons of funk. If you look at Elijah, he had seasons of funk. If you look at David, he had seasons of funk. You say, well, those are all Old Testament. Okay, look at Peter. Peter had seasons of funk. If you look at John, he had seasons of funk. If you look at James, they had seasons of funk. Do I have somebody in my life that I will listen to that when I get in, into a funk, they can speak to me and say, you're in a funk and you need to snap out of it. How many of you know what I'm saying? 
And usually when we're facing adversity and we're like, this is a grin and bear it, it is a prime time to go into a funk. It's a prime time where we're just like, oh, this is just wrong and this is just not fair and I just don't think this is good. And we just, you know what I'm saying? And we try to get a hold of Brother Big Mouth. How many of you know what I'm saying? And Brother Big Mouth will just totally agree and just lick me and help me and you know what I'm saying? All of this stuff. And God is like, you are in a funk and you got to get up out of that funk because I can't do anything as long as you stay in that funk and you justify yourself in that funk. Enough about funk. How many of you know what I'm saying? Do I intentionally cultivate disciplines, routines, rhythms, relationships that help to steer me out of a funk? You say, well, I don't go in funks. You're deceived. You go in funks. We all, we all have funks. How many of you know what I'm saying? We all just like, this is hard. I don't want to. I want to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, it's like, okay. Last one, number six. They came up. You know what this means when they come up? Shut up and get down. That's what that means. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Number six is this. Is do I carry MREs? How many of you know what an MRE is? MRE, you say, it's a military term. I'm just going to give you the definition. A meal that is ready to eat, commonly known as an MRE, is a self-contained individual field ration in lightweight packaging bought by the U.S. Department of Defense for its service members for use in combat or other field conditions where normal organized food facilities are not available. Put simple, it's a survival meal is what it is. A survival meal. You say, why is this so important? You know, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I love to do missions work. Haven't been because of COVID for a couple years. But I took a group uh, team here. I, we always take a team. And we, I've got buddies in different parts of Africa. But I took this team to, and we were going to Mozambique. Mozambique is like in the top five poorest countries of the world. Um, and I've been there enough that I kind of have figured out a rhythm that works well for the team because it's like a... Depending on where you go in Africa, it's like a 20-hour flight or 20 hours in the air. And so, we, and so I've figured out a rhythm that works well, and that is this. As you get on a flight on the, in the evening sometime, preferably like a Sunday night, and then you catch a flight somewhere between 7, 8, 9 o'clock, and you fly to some place in Europe. And then you get off, and the sun's coming up, and it's morning. It's 8 o'clock or something like that. In the morning, 9 o'clock, just depends. And you get off, and then you spend the day in a European town. And there's a reason for this. is because you didn't get much sleep the night before on the airplane. And so now you're going to walk around and do the tourist thing and all that kind of stuff. And by that night, you are whipped. How many of you know what I'm saying? Then you get back on the plane and you go for another 10 to 12 hour flight down into Africa. And because you're so whipped, you can sleep in those wonderful, comfortable airplane seats. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so you wipe out. Well, what happened is, is I took a group of them 
And, um, and so I said to him, and our layover was in Paris. And, uh, and I've been through Paris. Paris is like, rip you off. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'll take a Starbucks, 12, 15 bucks for a cup of coffee. I'm like, come again? I, I don't want a gallon. I just want a cup. You know, it's like, oh, there's a McDonald's. Let's hit McDonald's. Oh, okay. Let's get a, you know, value meal, 15, 20 bucks for a value meal. So I said to this team that I took, Michael was on that team. I took, I said to this, I said, guys, I'm just going to tell you we're going through Paris. Everything is triple the price. Let me tell you what I do. I said, I bring some food. I said, I'm going to boil a dozen eggs, put them in bags, got my salt, got my snacks, got all my stuff. And they all looked at me. And they said, you are cheap. That's what they said. I can't believe we're going to Paris. We want to eat. And I'm like, dude, you say that now. I'm just telling you, bring some food. <laughs> a couple of them brought like a granola bar or two. <laughs> One dude brought like a box or two of Little Debbie's. How many of you know what I'm saying? So they're like, they get off the plane, and they're like, we want a cup of coffee. They were like shocked, cup of coffee. Then it's like, wow, it's expensive around here. It's like it's lunchtime. Then we roll into McDonald's, and they're like, that was 20 bucks. It was 20 bucks. And they're stopping on the street, getting a shot of espresso and a little Danish. Oh, 25. And so at the end of the day, they're all like, one dude spent. He did. He had, he, we weren't even in Africa and he had five bucks left. <laughs> he was a little Debbie guy. He, was, he had like five bucks left. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? He's like, well, they're going to feed us here, right? I'm like, yeah, iguanas. No. <laughs> they weren't. They fed us. It was, it was okay. But I'm like, dude. <laughs> And I remember we got on, the, we get on the tram, and we're on this tram to go into Paris, and I break my backpack open and get my eggs out before all of them are doing, you know, before any of them are, they're like, oh my gosh, look at him. Yeah, this is embarrassing. <laughs> you know, and I'm sprinkling my eggs and slamming them and, and smiling really big. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, all of them looked at me and said, got any eggs left? That's all of them. And I was like, being the kind of person I am, I said, what? What'd you say? Got in here. Say it louder. I made him be like, you got any eggs left? Can I please have an egg? Please give me an egg. How many of you think I shared? Come on. Come on. I shared my eggs with him. I, share, I shared my eggs with him. But I think in our lives sometimes, and you use the term MRE. It is, it is a scripture that I have allowed to soak into the DNA of the way that I see my life, the way that I see myself. And I have stories that have come out of 
standing on that scripture, standing on what God said, through adverse situations, through difficult things in my life. And what it does is it's a meal that I don't need anybody else. It's on the inside. And I remember, you know, it's, it's one of those where you just, it just kind of stiffens you. God, you're good. God, you're faithful. I know your word says, you say, what is that? That is a meal that is ready to eat right now. It's ready to eat right where you're at. And I realize I'm a couple minutes over, but can I tell you one more story? One more, just one more really quick story. This was about 30 plus years ago. And in case you didn't know me and my wife, we owned a business in California. We we're in contracting, and so we own this business. And, and, um, and we get this bill in the mail for, in, it was like $8,000 from an insurance company. And it was my liability insurance. And we get this bill, and, and, I'm, and, she's, I, and so I looked at it, and I said, you pay the bill every month? She's like, oh, yeah, I pay that bill every month. I'm like, what is this $8,000 bill? And I said, it's got to be a mistake. So I called them up, and this is what they said. <laughs> they said, oh, we forgot to tell you that three years ago, your premiums went up. And we just caught it right now, three years later. And so you owe us $8,000 in back premiums because you've not been paying the right amount. And so now, and I said to them, I said, now wait a minute. I said, if I'd have known you were gonna raise my bill that much, I'd have gone with another company. How many of you are with me on that? Come on, give me some sympathy, guys. Give me some sympathy. Online, give me some sympathy, a little bit. So I was like, you know, my, my temptation is to talk in the phone. You're of the devil! How many of you know that? <laughs> I was like, and I, so I called my insurance broker and I said, this is wrong. This isn't fair. I don't have $8,000. I said, $8,000 to me then would look like 100000 now. And I was just like, oh my God, I don't have this sitting around to just write you guys a check. So I said to my insurance guy, I said, what happens if I just ignore it? He said, oh, they will hire a collection agency, put it on your credit, and take you to court. And this guy's a Christian. I was like, this is just wrong. How many of you are with me? And I had to stop. And kind of do what I'm saying today right now. Well, I just had to say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. But I love you. And I trust you. I trust you. Now, it would have been one thing if I was irresponsible and not paid my bill. I'd have had to handle it totally different. I'd have had to repent, cry out to God for mercy, and hope that, you know, that they would change or he's going to, you know what I'm saying. But I remember I just stopped and I said, God, I'm a tither. You're first in my finances. And you said that you would rebuke the devourer. You would meet every need. And, and I remember it's just a scripture on the inside. I, Philippians 4.19. My God will liberally supply your every need according to to his riches and glory. And I just prayed. And I said, 
And Jill and I both prayed. I'm like, God, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I called them and they said, you got 45 days to pay it. You know, that's just wrong. Just wrong. About, I don't know, three weeks later, I get a call. And this person, it's a large job, and they're like, hey, we, would you mind if we gave you $8,000 down payment? <laughs> I'm like, yo, <laughs> yes. Actually, that's the right amount you should give. <laughs> we never charged before. We never did. We carried it. And I was like, <gasps> they were like, yeah, we'd like, and I remember just saying to Jill, wow, check this out. God saw it all along knew what I was going through and it was a grin and bear it season in my life but I had to trust him in order to enjoy and to be at peace adversity reveals us it reveals our root system life is about seasons and quitting is not one of God's seasons my roots have got to be in more than what it looks like and what it feels like. Because there is going to be times that it doesn't look like and it doesn't feel like, but God is faithful to his word. Every one of us sitting here today, you got times of funk. You're just in a funk. Say, what should I do? Get somebody to slap you. You know what I'm saying. You just, you, we just have these times of funk. Don't turn a day or a season of funk into a lifestyle of funk. Where it's just like, they're just in a funk. They're just in a funk. They're just in a funk. God says it's a necessary. Seasons of funk are a necessary garden to cultivate in. God's saying, I want to cultivate something out of this. And the next one is this is do I, carry an M, do I carry MREs with me? Meals that are rattling, they're there. They're just there. <gasps> oh my gosh, this is a grin and bear it season. Lord, are you with me today? Stand to your feet.